From the studios of WHUPLP in Hillsboro, North Carolina, this is Dirty White Belt Radio. Innovative, often duplicated When enough people get on the trend I elevate it, make it way harder For them to follow what I take It hard to swallow like a lozenger Lodged in your trachea Goodness gracious, bruh, I can never make this up So just take your stuff Rake it up and take the bus Never fake the funk, you painted skunks You played enough, I'm lifting bars to outer space So the weight is up Fight, It is Sunday, August 27th, and we are at the end of an amazing week of jiu-jitsu from the Carolinas and beyond. Folk from our area and friends of the shows from around the world gathered in Las Vegas for the Masters World this this weekend, and it's safe to say they represented incredibly well. We count 24 local people bringing home medals from the Masters Worlds, many of them bringing home more than one medal. Very exciting stuff, and we'll have a full recap of that for you. But we also have a couple of interesting interviews on a packed show for you today. Bobby and Amanda McMasters are world travelers. They met in the Peace Corps, and Bobby actually helped set up the first jiu-jitsu club in Moldova. Uh, since then, they've settled in Asheville, North Carolina, where they've set up a new school with a really interesting interesting business model. And so we talked to both of them. I went out to train there and I'm interested in what y'all think of that interview, which will be in the middle of the show. You'll hear about that. And you will also hear Lourdes Cantu on this show. Our co-host also competed at the Masters Worlds and usually you'll hear her interviewing other competitors. But this time we got a special request from the kids at Great Grappling. When they heard Lourdes doing a bunch of different interviews with, with significant competitors from other teams and around the world, they were like, why, why didn't Lourdes ever get interviewed on the show? And one of them actually volunteered to interview her. So we'll get to that, too. And it's somewhat fitting to run that interview this week since Lourdes Cantu is bringing up a bronze medal from the Masters Worlds. Congratulations to Lourdes. And you'll hear from her later in the show. But first, got to tell you how to get a hold of us. You can always email the show at cagesidewhup at gmail.com. Our Facebook page is Cageside Radio. And you'll want to check that out after the show because we'll have a complete list of all the local competitors uh, that competed at the Masters Worlds and brought home medals. So please be sure and let us know if we let any left anyone out. Uh, on Twitter, we're at DWB Radio. On an Instagram, we're at Dirty White Boat. So check us out there as well. Now, on the other side of this break, we're going to get to a full recap of the Masters Worlds. We'll let you know everybody that brought home a medal locally that we know of. And later in the show, Black Belt Caitlin Huggins is going to call in and uh, recap her perspectives on the Masters Worlds as well. U.S. Grappling is our favorite tournament organization for a lot of reasons. Run by grapplers for grapplers, U.S. Grappling consistently provides the best tournament experience for competitors. Whether it's a points tournament or submission only, and U.S. Grappling runs true no-time-limit submission-only events, it's the best place to compete and to watch your friends compete. Check out upcoming events and register online at usgrappling.com. So here's the thing about our performance at the Masters Worlds as a community. If I were to talk about everybody who brought home a medal for even one minute, we would film more than half of the show. 
And so we're not going to be able to do that. But what we will do is run down everybody that got a medal. I'm going to say a little bit about the matches that I saw, because I saw at least one match from all of these people. And we're going to break that down. I'm going to tell you what they did. And I'm going to list some things that I personally found notable. About five minutes into the show, Caitlin Huggins is going to call in, and she's going to share her perspective on that, because Caitlin watched a lot of the show on Flow Grappling as well. And so without further ado, I'm going to tell you everybody that we know that medaled. And again, if you if you know of somebody that is not on this list, that we missed, you know, it's a full weekend of jiu-jitsu, so please let us know at facebook.com slash cagesideradio or email us. So the black belt world champion, Masters world champion for this year is Diego Bispo. Last year, Jason Colbreth won the Masters world championships at black belt, and this year, uh, Diego Bispo of Aries BJJ closed out with Osvaldo Cachino taking home the Masters gold. And he was the only black belt uh, from the Carolinas to win, to win a medal that I saw. However, at Brown Belt, we really brought home a ton of hardware. Uh, specifically, Kim Rice, regular, you know, Blue Belt Adult World Champion, a regular competitor, and one of the most successful competitors in the Carolinas, uh, took gold at Brown Belt and took silver in absolute. Notably, she almost, she came super close to double gold. She lost in the absolute finals by one advantage against Tara White. Now, Tara White, if you don't know who that is, is a regular competitor who's a standout young athlete who qualified for ADCC the last two years. And Kim has had a series of matches with her that are always very close. And so Kim got gold at Brown Belt and could very easily have gotten a double gold performance. Another outstanding brown belt performance was by John Shell of Shellshock BJJ and Team Hubao Carioca. John not only got gold at brown belt and not only got bronze at absolute, but really wrecked shop in an aggressive and just just really ran through his division. I got to watch all of John's matches, and in many cases he dominated his opponents and was just, just looked tremendous. I know he trained extremely hard for this. Chapel Hill Gracie Jiu-Jitsu from Team Hoist Gracie also showed up specifically at the brown belt level. Both Mary Holmes and Jimmy Bigelow took gold at the brown belt level. And I get to watch all of Mary's matches. She's always a pleasure to watch. Was super technical going into this event and just really showed uh, uh, once again why she is one of the most respected competitors in the Carolinas. Also at Brown Belt, and I'm not exactly breaking news here. I, I mean, I mean, I don't think I'm breaking news here. But like, if you don't know that Drew, Drew Colbert always wins gold at these events, then now you know. Uh, Drew from Forged Fitness Carry took gold at the Brown Belt level. Drew actually was tested more than I've seen him tested in a lot of these events. Usually he is a cut above everybody. He had a really tough first match that went to ref's decision, but Drew did what Drew does, which is win world championships. And so congratulations to Drew on adding another medal for his uh, for, for his trophy case. Somebody that is an up-and-coming competitor that has competed at, and done two incredible matches at Toro Cup is Tim Dawson from Dave Jacobs' gym outside of Washington, D.C., Dave Jacobs' The Rock BJJ. And Tim took gold at Brown Belt uh, in, in this level as well. Uh, so congratulations to Tim. A couple of other gold medal performances before we move on down the bracket, which is, um, you know, so Amber Senke, uh, who's also been on the show of Swamp Fox Jiu-Jitsu, uh, took gold at Purple Belt. Now, this is significant because Amber's already won the pans, and so bringing a Master's World's gold um, to her resume is a super significant achievement. So congratulations to Amber and everybody at Swamp Fox. Uh, Paul Ryan from Top Martial Arts also won gold medal, a gold medal at Purple Belt. He also took bronze in absolute, got to watch a couple of his matches on Facebook Live in addition to the flow grappling. And finally, the last gold medalist that we know of that is not local anymore but will always be local to us is Bryce uh, Bryce Lighthall, a.k.a. Thrash BJJ, who trains with Bruno Malfasini now in Florida. And Bryce not only won gold uh, at the blue belt level, but Bryce won four out of his five matches by submission and had no points or and or. No points, no advantages scored against him. This has been an incredible competitive year for Bryce. I know how hard he trains, and it was really gratifying to watch him, to all his hard work, 
pay to watch all his hard work pay off in success. So congratulations to Bryce. So those are the gold medalists. I also wanted to shout out a lot of silver medalists. I told you that this was a long list. John Bagels Helford, regular show guest, training now at Revolution BJJ, but will always be a local uh, Hoist Gracie guy to us, uh, took silver at the brown belt level, had a hard-fought finals match, uh, and, and ended up not being able to bring home the gold, but did get silver. So congratulations to him. Also getting silver at the brown belt level with three other folks. Stephen Hernandez from Top Martial Arts, which is a Roberto Travin school, uh, took home silver at the brown belt level, so congratulations to him. Another Swamp Fox Jiu-Jitsu competitor, Lakin Bendel, also took silver at brown belt and lost in the finals by advantage. I watched that finals match. It was a very close, tough, intense, hard-fought match, and so uh, certainly silver is something that she can be really proud of. And finally, another recent show guest, Jeffrey Huang, who from Calvarini Jiu-Jitsu, and you may remember from the Kekoa Collective show, uh, took silver at the brown belt level. And as if Jeff's abs weren't perfect enough, he competed at featherweight this time, which should, which isn't even fair, man. Eat a sandwich, Jeff, and congratulations on your silver medal. In all seriousness, congratulations. It's, it's always great to watch uh, Jeff work his technical brand of Jiu-Jitsu. Finally, uh, in the silver medal category, we have, I have a couple of ladies that I want to talk about. First, Angela Pitts. And Angela was one of the, the people that I was looking forward to watching the most. Angela has been training for quite a long time, uh, Was v- worked very, very hard, and was very focused. Got to train with her a couple of times in the lead-up to this. And I know was nursing a bit of a neck injury, but went out and just performed incredibly well, got to the final, took silver, and ended up losing by one advantage in the final. And it was a pretty, like, a very close match that I thought could have gone either way. And so Angela can feel extremely good about that performance. And I was very, you know, I was really rooting for her to do well. And I was super glad that she did. Um, Betty Broadhurst, who is, you know, the first lady of jiu-jitsu, somebody that everybody knows, Betty of Roll Forever, uh, had two matches uh, and took silver at the purple belt level and bronze in the absolute. So bringing back two medals to North Carolina. Congratulations to Betty, who also wants me to mention that the Bernardo Faria seminar that Roll Forever and Dirty White Belt Radio are putting on November 4th at Elevate MMA is almost full already. That's right. It's almost full two months in advance. So get to Facebook and register online if you want your spot with one of the best jiu-jitsu competitors of modern times, uh, who is also a great teacher. So congratulations to Betty for bringing in Bernardo Faria, but also congratulations to Betty getting out there, inspiring us all, and uh, taking a silver in her weight class and bronze in absolute. So now I want to run down some bronze medalists. And you know, a lot of y'all know that many of these divisions are huge. And so to take home a bronze medal at a tournament of this nature, where they have 21 mats running, and a lot of these divisions have 40 people in it, is a significant achievement. Isaac Renner from Beta Academy took bronze at Brown Belt and fought a lot of beasts, so really happy for Isaac. We're going to try to talk to Isaac on an upcoming show. Al Moss from Gracie Raleigh, who is moving out of the area, I understand, unfortunately, took also took bronze at the Purple Belt level. I was able to watch all of Al's matches, and Al looked really, really tough to score points on. The only reason he ended up losing was, I thought, a very questionable penalty call where he was penalized for having an illegal grip, and I still am not sure what was illegal about the grip. But kvetching aside, Al put on a terrific performance, so congratulations to him. So a couple of other bronze medalists, Scotty Dennis from Muscatagi BJJ took bronze at the purple belt level. I got to watch one of his matches. And Christina Parker from Gustavo Machado took bronze at purple belt as well. So congratulations to those two folks. Uh, there are a few more that I got to get to, which is, so Susie Palmashano from Chapel Hill Gracie Jiu-Jitsu, uh, Team Hoist Gracie, took bronze at the blue belt level. She won her first match. Had a very tough second match, but but very nearly pulled it off. Took a bronze. I know how hard she worked going into this, so congratulations to Susie. So the last three folks I want to talk about 
all got bronze medals at their belt level. Eric Habel is the first one I want to talk about because as you, as many of you know, I trained with Eric. So Eric took a bronze medal and was rocking the dirty white belt patch on the podium. So congrats, <laughs> thanks for that. I want to say that like I was really, really proud of the way Eric performed because not only was he able to show off really all of his game, he was able to show off his bottom game in terms of his sweep game. He was able to show off his passing, but he only lost to the eventual gold medalist who also won the Europeans this year. And that, that dude is really good. I, I thought Eric could easily have won this tournament. I expected him to get on the podium and I thought he, he might even be able to win it. And he just ended up running into the guy who did win it. But like Eric looked tremendous. And so congratulations to Eric. Finally, two other bronze medalists that I got to that I got to get to. My man Tim Hufford from Chapel Hill Gracie Jiu-Jitsu took bronze at Purple Belt. And in order to get through his division, he he won four matches. Now, winning four matches at any level is a significant achievement, but particularly this type of level. And his half-guard game was working. He would pull a half-guard and just sweep cats, come up, smash pass, ends up with a bronze medal. Congratulations to Tim. And so finally, the, the last gold medal, or the last bronze medalist I want to shout out, I've sort of already shouted out, which is Lourdes Cantu uh, from Great Grappling, who I'm going to talk with one of her regular training partners in a second when Caitlin Huggins calls in, uh, because uh, Lourdes was actually down in her match by 11 points, and she made up that 11-point deficit in about 30 seconds, which was an incredible thing for those of us uh, who, who were watching her. Uh, uh, so congratulations to Lourdes. She does a great job on the show that you know, and I know how hard she trained leading up to this. And so for her to bring home a bronze medal, particularly being able to compete with a lot of her, you know, uh, a lot of you who know Lourdes know that she started training at Chapel Hill and uh, was training at Chapel Hill Gracie Jiu-Jitsu, which is now fit for life under Team Hoist Gracie, then moved to Charlotte. And now is training with Great Grappling with Jeremy Orell uh, and all those folks, the Murdoch brothers, Caitlin Huggins, and Chelsea Kurtzman, who also got her start training with uh, with Lourdes out at Chapel Hill Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. Chelsea, who also put on a, a very good performance, won her first match on points, and uh, uh, and and should you know she could feel really good about her performance as well. And so we'll hear from Lourdes's. Uh, you know, I, I know that I want to get Lourdes back in the studio when she's ready. Uh, when she's back here in North Carolina, and so hopefully we'll able to we'll be able to have her break down that match for you at some point. One other thing that I want to talk to y'all about is the team aspect. So look, we just had we just talked about how twenty four local folks got medals, right? And many of them also got absolute. So about tw- by my count, twenty four people bringing home twenty nine medals. Um, so the, the, this is a, a really significant achievement. Now, it's tough, you know, the the sort of dirty little secret, especially because Hoist Gracie Jiu-Jitsu is so big out here, but is not, you know, you know, it isn't a huge competition team compared to things like Alliance, compared to teams like Gracie Baja, compared to, you know, the the really big competition teams. And so I'm going to throw a number at you that, that I was blown away by, which is, you know, this is a three-day tournament. So after the first day, uh, the Team Hoist Gracie women tied for fifth overall in team points. Now, if you know how big uh, other jiu-jitsu teams are compared to us, uh, you know, uh, then you know how significant that is. And so that is a testament uh, to Kim Rice. That's a testament to Mary Holmes. That's a testament to all the folks like Shayla too, um, and all the people who uh, who work really hard to make to make jiu-jitsu grow here in the Carolinas and beyond. One thing I want to say at, when, as I end this segment is that. You know, when I started training jiu-jitsu seven and a half years ago or so, uh, to say that 24 people would, would from North Carolina would go out and compete at the Worlds 
would be significant. You know, that that would be something that would never have happened seven years ago, I don't think, to have two dozen people go out and compete. And so to have two dozen local people come out and uh, and uh, and get bring home medals is really something that I think everybody can feel good about. And so what we're going to do is we're going to hear from one of those medalists right now. Now, I mentioned this before, that the co-hosts of the show are Betsy O'Donovan and Lourdes Cantu. Now, as you heard, Lourdes got a bronze medal this week. Now, the last time Lourdes competed, she also interviewed a bunch of famous jiu-jitsu people. You've heard her interviews with Gary Tonin. You've heard her interviews. You're going to hear an interview uh, Lourdes did with Dennis Ash next week. But the kids at Great Grappling asked correctly why no one had interviewed Lourdes yet. So we decided we wanted to make that happen. Here's Mari from Great Grappling interviewing our very own Lourdes Cantu. Um, hi, I'm Mari. And this is Lourdes with Dirty White Belt Radio. Hi, Mari. So, my first question is, what move did you do to harden you up? What move did I do to harden me up? Well, I do a lot of um, training at Great Grappling. I do a lot of their pro classes. And um, Mr. C.J. Murdoch, who's one of the professors here, he um, designs the classes for the competitors um, on Mondays and Fridays. And um, we do a lot of competition-type drilling and rolling. And we um, get a chance to, uh, to practice what it would be like to be in a tournament. And so a lot of the things that I did, I guess, to harden me up would be to... Um, to practice those those drills in competition class to try to make sure that they, I was doing my techniques well under pressure. And then I'd go back to class and I'd make sure that I could do my techniques um, as accurately as possible. The second question I have, who did you fight? Ooh, who were my matches against? I had some really good matches in, in my weight class. I went against a woman named Elizabeth, and I can't remember her last name because it's really long. And in... Um, and in my, um, my absolute matches, um, one of the names that really stood out is my friend Christina Parker. And um, one of the things I really like about doing competitions is that you get to compete against people. But they're actually really cool people because you have a lot in common because you, you do jujitsu together, right? And you're competing together. And um, Christina Parker is probably one of my favorite people. And she um, trains out of Gustavo Machado in, I think, Richmond, Virginia. And um, she and I had a match, and we were really friendly right before the match, and then we went on the mat, and we, we competed against each other really well, and um, we were pretty tough against each other. She was really tough against me. And then after the match, we gave each other a really big hug, and we were just really excited that we got a chance to, to, um, to it felt like playing, but we got a, we got a chance to, to roll together and, and to compete against each other, and, and she's one of my favorite people. So that's who I competed with. My last question, what's your favorite move? What's my favorite move? It would probably be um, the omoplata because my teacher, Mazi Hideri, um, who I trained with at Chapo Gracie Jiu-Jitsu, that was um, one of the moves I think that he is really, really good at. And so I'd watch him roll and then I'd pay attention to what he was doing and then I would try to imitate what he did, kind of like a little monkey. And I would try to imitate things that he was doing. And... Um, and I just, and also whenever I would try to do a triangle, I was always on the wrong side. So I ended up in the omoplata. And if I tried to do an armbar, I was always on the wrong side for an for armbar. And then I was like, wait a minute, I'm on the wrong side for an armbar, but I have an omoplata. And so I would, um, I would, I, I started to just do the omoplatas more. And, um, and so that's probably my favorite sweep and, uh, um, and also submission. Well, my last question is, 
What move did you do for starters? Ooh, what was my starting move? So one of the things that I drilled in competition class was um, was a uh, was an overhead sweep. It was a guard pull to an overhead sweep, and that was the first move that I tried to do in the tournament. It didn't always work out the way that I I practiced it in um, in the competition room. But what did happen is that I, I got a chance to practice it in real time against somebody that was really resisting. And now I have some new things that I can work on when I go back to competition training and, and to class. I have some new stuff that I, I'm like, oh, okay, now I, I have a better idea of what I need to do. So I come back to school and, and I'm going to talk to Mr. CJ and I talk to Mr. Mozzie and, my, and the teachers here. And I'm going to say, hey, this is what happened in the tournament. Um, what am I doing wrong? And then they're gonna they will give me some tips on like, okay, you should be doing it like this, and then I'm gonna practice it again so it can get better each time. That's it. All I have. Well, thank you, Mari. You're welcome. And this is Mari and Lourdes for Dirty White Belt Radio. Bye. Exciting news from Toro BJJ. The best jiu-jitsu gi company just got better. The new Toro BJJ gi comes out in August in just a couple of weeks, designed by yours truly, and it's the best-looking gi we've ever done. You know the high-quality Toro BJJ products that you get and you see around at local tournaments. Well, the next gi is going to blow your mind. And so we're going to advertise that both here on the program and on DirtyWhiteBelt.com, so be sure to check it out. If you want to know the story behind the gi, how the symbolism came to be, why I designed it the way I did, why I picked the colors the way I did, you can go to DirtyWhiteBelt.com slash blog and hear the whole story. I always like getting products that have a story behind it, especially where I can get them from a local company that supports local athletes, and Toro BJJ does just that. Check them out at ToroBJJ.com or at Cageside Fight Shop in Durham at 124 Lotter Road. So we're going to go to local black belt and regular competitor, Caitlin Huggins, who has competed at the highest level and who watches a bunch of jiu-jitsu. And I know watched a bunch of matches for this Masters Worlds. And Caitlin, do I have you on the line? Yes. <laughs> hey, thanks for calling in today. I know that uh, you watched a lot of your the, the folks that you train with regularly at Great Grappling and maybe watched some other matches too this weekend at Masters Worlds. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I watched uh, some of the ladies from Hoist Gracie Chapel Hill and uh, Great Grappling. What stood out most to you watching the matches that you watched? I got to say that uh, the ladies' matches, they were really resilient. Um, It was very back and forth with uh, Chelsea's matches. There were a couple times that we were really stressed out, and we thought that she was going to get submitted because she was in bad positions, and she she just grinded it out and came back. And lost very, you know, by margins. Um, the same with Lourdes. I think Lourdes's match blew everybody's mind. <laughs> I've never seen anybody get 11 points in that fast time span. Yeah, I was going to ask um, if I, I was going to ask if you watched Lourdes's epic comeback where oh she swept yeah. past Neon Belly Mount. Yeah, incredible. Yeah, I think CJ said it best when we were watching. It was like it was like she realized. Uh, halfway into the match. Oh, I can kick this girl's ass. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and then then she loses by margins again. Two advantage points for both of them. So, And, and the same with uh, Heather Kidwell, who uh, trains at Grit Grappling. Like, everyone's just losing by margins. So they're really good matches. 
I suppose there's one, you know, I've been on both ends of that in terms of like winning by margins and losing by margins. And my experience with it is there's one of two ways you can take it the where you can either think you can either be, you know, upset because nobody likes to lose or you can say, hey, you know what? This means I can not only compete at this level, but win at this level. Yeah. And I've talked about that a lot, like what's worse. Uh, losing by two advantage points or getting submitted in less than a minute or, you know, smashed by uh, someone getting more than 10 points on you or whatever. But uh, I want to say maybe that the former is better because you can think to yourself, all right, well, next time, you know, next time it's not going to be two advantage points. I'm not going to let that happen. There's a continual progress where sometimes if you get smashed, you know, in less than a minute or dominated on points, it can it can kind of mess with you mentally. So I, I just am I'm really proud of how they perform, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the mental game is so important at this level. And I, I too, I was extremely impressed, you know, uh, particularly, you know, with Chelsea's first match and with Lourdes coming back by 11 points down. So I, I got to ask you, what what was the thing that you saw, the single thing that impressed you most? Either it can be like the match that impressed you most, or the moment in the match that impressed you most. But one performance or aspect of a performance that you that you're really glad you watched? Uh, definitely Lourdes. <laughs> um, I've never, like I said, seen anyone recover that many points in that little of a time span. Uh, it's funny if you watch the video, you can even see the ref laughing because he's probably never seen anything like that either. <laughs> but uh, she just looked really fierce. There was a couple moments in that match where, uh, you know, the ref restarts them and says go, and she just guns for her. <laughs> it's uh, it's fun to watch, and uh, it's really impressive. I'm really proud. Mm-hmm. So, Caitlin, I want to get your real-time reaction to something because I said on the show earlier before you called in, you know, two, you know, seven years ago when I started doing jiu-jitsu out here, if you would have told me we're going to have two dozen competitors from the Carolinas at the Masters Worlds, that would have stunned me, let alone having two dozen yeah. people come and bring home medals, which, which is pretty incredible. So, uh, the, so I think that speaks to the, the growth of the scene out here. But I want to I uh, get your reaction to one thing that we haven't talked about, which is at the end of the first day, the Team Hoist Gracie women, the women, not, not the guys, were tied for the fifth overall team <laughs> points. Now, That's so amazing. <laughs> isn't that incredible compared to like, con- considering like, yeah. how big the other jiu-jitsu teams are? So how does that make you feel as somebody who, you know, is uh, a, a woman? Yeah. Go right ahead. It, it's, it's awesome. Like, that just put a smile on my face right now because it's, uh, you, you know, it's it, Eastern or East Coast Jiu-Jitsu is not as big as West Coast Jiu-Jitsu. We all know this, and it's uh, it's worse in the Southeast. And then it's worse of all for women. And to have women like Mary Holmes and uh, Kim Rice, um, you know, Betty Broadhurst, uh Shayla, like, just going out there, dominating, and Lincoln and Amber and Florence, like, it's it's just, like I said, I put a smile on my face right now. It's, it's really cool, like, to have a presence among the best in the world and, and the ladies at that. So I think uh, it's only going to get better from here. Indeed. And, you know, Lakin got a silver medal at Brown, at, at Brown Belt, could easily have gotten gold, and Amber wins gold at Purple Belt, Amber Senke. Yeah, yeah. So, so very mm-hmm. good performance from the women this time. 
So I want to thank you very much for calling in and, and uh, helping us break this down. Any, any other thoughts you want to leave us with about the Masters Worlds or about things upcoming? It's funny because everybody keeps asking me uh, if I'm at Masters Worlds. And I'm like, I'm not old enough yet. Quit rushing it. <laughs> but uh, next year, next year, by IBJJF rules, I will technically be able to do Masters. So I might do it next year and be able to maybe compete and coach. Um, for right now, I have D.C., Charlotte, and Atlanta coming up. So lots of good things on the way. Um, and I hope to see more of these fierce ladies compete in fall tournaments. Well, best of luck at D.C., Charlotte, and Atlanta, and maybe next year you can be part of the, that those women's team points, uh, bringing us yeah, up from fourth. Yeah, would be awesome. <laughs> well, thanks so much, Caitlin. Definitely. <laughs> no problem. Thank you for calling. So Caitlin Huggins will compete next at D.C., Charlotte, and Atlanta. Uh, we're going to follow her, as always, and uh, keep you apprised of, uh, of her, along with all the other local competitors competing at the highest level. It's always nice. Because, you know, Caitlin competes at the adult worlds, and it's always nice to get the, the perspective of an elite black belt competitor on these matches. And so that's why I always want to ask some somebody like that, you know, what impressed you the most? And so my thanks to Caitlin Huggins uh, from Great Grappling for calling in. Hey, Betsy O'Donovan. Yes, Jeff Shaw. As it turns out, we're getting married. I think it's time we share a secret with the world. When you get married, often you want a wedding photographer, and I'm wondering, what do you look for in a wedding photographer? I am so glad you asked this question because I have spent a lot of time looking at photography of all sorts. So as you may know, I uh, have been making my living as a journalist for low these 20 years, and so I've spent a lot of time looking at good photography, bad photography, and occasionally great photography. So for our wedding, I am thrilled that we're going to be going with Meg and Alan Chester's company, CAM Photo and Design. You guys may know them because they shoot a lot of jiu-jitsu tournaments. We always see them at U.S. Grappling. And they caught my attention because of two things. One is they do a phenomenal job of capturing events in the moment, the kind of photojournalism that I look for that I think really expresses um, the spirit of an event, and that's what we wanted for our wedding. The other reason um, that I'm really excited that they are going to be shooting for us is that, I don't know if you've ever looked at their photos of spectators, but they do an amazing job of capturing emotion. And um, for our wedding, I want to make sure that we are catching the real emotion of the day. Um, it's just a nice side benefit that they're a phenomenal jujitsu supporting brand. And a lot of jiu-jitsu weddings involve jiu-jitsu, so you want people that understand the things that you love. So that's CAM Photos and Design. You can find them on Facebook. They train, and they know how to shoot great photos. Take it from the journalist with 20 years of experience and your favorite random purple belt. As I said, I want to. I, I just want to. I don't want to belabor this point, but I do feel like it's worth noting repeatedly. When I started training, I don't think this area would have sent 24 people to this tournament, let alone have 24 people bring home nearly 30 medals. It's a testament to how much the scene has grown. And so, if you're out there, if you're competing, if you're training, if you're supporting local competitors, if you're doing any of those things, you know, uh, thank you and congratulations to you. Congratulations to everybody who competed, whether you brought home a medal or not. You're helping to build something that's really significant. 
The scene is growing not just because we're bringing more people in from the ground up, new white belts, but more people are moving here as well, which is also exciting. So there's a new school in Asheville that I just trained at, which is run by Bobby and Amanda McMasters. I could tell you about this school, Open Source BJJ, but it's better if you hear about it from them. So after I trained with them, they visited me in the studio here in Hillsborough, North Carolina, and told me about how they met in the Peace Corps, about their experience with jiu-jitsu in Moldova, about how Bobby started training with Saulo and Shanji Hibero way back in the early 2000s, and about what the concept behind their new school is. I had a great time getting out there and training. It's always fun to meet new members of the community. And so I hope you enjoy this interview with Bobby and Amanda McMasters from Open Source BJJ. So we're sitting here with Bobby and Amanda McMasters uh, with Open Source BJJ in Asheville, North Carolina. Welcome to the show, guys. Thanks for having us. Thanks. Yeah, it's fun to have you all in the studio, and uh, we're recording this before I head out to Asheville tomorrow to train with you all, so I'm excited to check out your new school. We'll get into where it is, how folks can come visit, and how folks can get involved, and what makes your school a little bit unique during the course of the interview. But first, I'm just curious, how did you all get involved with jiu-jitsu? When did you start training and why? Okay. Well, it's, I guess it's kind of a long story, but um, so I wrestled uh, horribly in in high school and college, and I, I, for some reason I liked it, and uh, I was looking for something to do after college, and um, there was no wrestling in my area. I just moved to Detroit, and there were no wrestling programs in Detroit, but I found submission wrestling in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and I, it eventually led me to... Um, train with uh Salo and Shanji Ribeiro in um in Detroit, Michigan. They were in Toledo, but one of them would, would drive up every day for practice. Um which is pretty cool in retrospect that I got to train with those guys. Um but that's how I got in, into jiu-jitsu. And about what year was that you started training with Salo and Shanji? Um late 2004. Pretty cool to get in on a couple of the best of all, training with some of the best of all time. Yeah, uh, definitely. And also, uh, I was also a bad wrestler that got into jujitsu. So yeah, bad yeah. wrestlers <laughs> unite. Yeah. <laughs> so Amanda, did you did you uh, did you get into training about that same time, or how did? Absolutely not. <laughs> um, I got into training just a little bit when I first met Bobby, um, and then. Uh, I stopped, and now that we have a gym, I have gotten into training again. So now I'm, I'm a very brand new white belt. It's funny how that works. And speaking of your new gym, that's one of the reasons that I wanted to talk to you all. So you have a, you, you have a new gym. And I want to ask, like, so Bobby, it seems like you came into jiu-jitsu almost by happenstance at first, but obviously you've fallen in love with it. When did you know that you wanted to open a school and teach jiu-jitsu? Um, I guess... I don't know. Maybe it was uh, about a year ago. It, it, it's not so much like I wanted my own school. I just wanted like, I don't know. I wanted jujitsu like right next to where I was living. Um, I wanted to be able to walk down and do jujitsu the way I wanted it. And I wanted it structured a certain way. Um, yeah, I, I guess I don't, I don't really know when I really wanted my own school. And I still don't know if I really want my own school, but um <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of ha- that's how it happened, I guess. Well, when you say you want it structured a certain way, are you talking about like the way that the training proceeds? Are you talking about the way the school is run? And like maybe tell us how do you think a jujitsu school should be structured? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just uh, I I know like a lot of um, schools that I've been to, there's not like a lot of structure around what the students are learning, and so I wanted to come up with. Um, or just have some sort of like plan, I guess, in place. Yeah. So, uh, 
so Open Source BJJ has been open exactly one month today. This is your one month anniversary, so congratulations. Thanks. And do you have students that now? Like, I want you to talk a little bit about the the model of your school because it seems like there are no politics there. Everyone is welcome to train there. Is right. that right? That's right. And how did that become important to you? Uh, well, I, I've trained all over the place. So, uh, first of all, it's hard to you know, I guess, pick somebody to affiliate with. I guess when you know, I've I've had I've learned so many different things from so many different people, and I've never trained for more than maybe like a year in one spot. So um, that's part of the reason we chose to kind of be a little bit more independent. But um, I've, I also like, I really like being able to go to things like open mats and um, where anybody can train. You don't have to have like a certain gi or gi color, or certain patch, and everybody can kind of train with each other. So I just kind of like that environment. And yeah, just the fact that um, not really tied to any um, one person or affiliation, I guess, is is why we decided to go that route. Mm-hmm. And so you mentioned that you haven't really trained very long at any particular school or association. And so I'm wondering, how, how do how, where are your belts from? How do you get promoted? That sort of thing. So, yeah, I, I have kind of a long um, jiu-jitsu story. So, yeah, I started in Detroit, and then we joined the Peace Corps, and we went to uh, Moldova, which is a small country in between Romania and Ukraine. And um, so I was I was the only person who knew jujitsu. So I started a jujitsu program out there. Um, and then when I finished in Peace Corps, I w- we moved to Norfolk, Virginia, and I trained with Gustavo Machado, and that's where I got my blue belt. Um, and then we went back over to Romania for a while, and also we continued work doing work in Moldova with a jujitsu program out there. Um, and then we eventually came back and I uh um we moved to Texas and I trained with um uh Carlos Diego Ferreira down in far Texas and he gave me my purple belt mm-hmm. so I'm still a purple belt um yeah after that we went to um I guess it was uh Colorado and so I trained there for a while and and uh then we finally kind of made our way to Asheville mm-hmm, mm-hmm. kind of happened to be in Asheville. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we think purple belts rule on this podcast. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, and actually, you know, it's interesting. Do you know Eugene Cabanu by any chance? Trans with Elite BJJ? No. He, he's uh, the Moldovan mauler. He's, <laughs> he's, uh, he's this beastly blue belt who competes in all right. these super fights. We've had him on the show a couple of times. And so, uh-huh. yeah, I don't know where exactly in South Carolina they're located, but they, uh, but, but yeah. So I know the grappling arts are big in that part of the world. So, although not necessarily jujitsu. Um, so why did you pick the name Open Source BJJ? Um, well, we so part of it kind of went with like our our business model, which is uh, more open, like a free type based uh, business model, I guess. Um, and we also just wanted to be open. You know, I didn't want like I don't, I don't really like being in the spotlight, and I I'm hoping to get more people to come out and just help. Um, train like right now we just have fundamentals program which is what I'm running but I'm really hoping to get a um, an advanced program and I'm gonna need help doing that you know I'd be comfortable running probably about like half of a advanced program but I don't want to do it by myself I want everybody to kind of pitch in and um, get people interested in jujitsu and you know I want everybody to be doing jujitsu I guess Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, so that's so that's why I guess I chose open source and it sounded cool. 
<laughs> we also think things that sound cool are good on the podcast. We're audio people. Uh, but I'm also a visual person, and uh, so I noticed your logo uh, has the, the Tiananmen Square guy in it, and I'm curious like, how you picked that image. Well, it's a very powerful image, I think, um, but it has, I guess, a lot of, I guess, meanings maybe. Um, you know, it's, it's the little guy beating the big guy using not very much strength. Um, it's we, we're not affiliated with anybody, so I feel like we're kind of going up um, against something maybe. I don't know. But overall, it's just a very, like, empowering image. I want, I want my students and everybody who trains with me to kind of feel empowered in their lives um, to be able to kind of stand up to something else that they feel is very powerful, I guess. So there are yeah, a few reasons I chose that, um, that image. So, Amanda, you're a brand-new white belt? And how are you liking it so far? I like it. I like it. It's, um, I feel like it will get better and better as I learn more and more because right now um, all I do is kind of get beat. So, but I think that's what happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm afraid so. Uh, so are there a lot, do you have a lot of white belts training with you or how many folks are training with you right now? Almost everybody. Well, up until I guess maybe a couple of weeks ago, everybody was a brand new white belt. Um, but we've got a blue belt and even another purple belt that come in. Um, and we just acquired another blue belt. So, But, yeah, most everybody is, is pretty new, um, which is what I was kind of aiming for. You know, I really didn't want – my goal wasn't to poach uh, students from other gyms. I want to, you know uh, – I, I feel like we're – it's just such a small – just such a small thing that we need to uh, pull people from – from all over the place and get new students from all over the place. So I'm really hoping to get more and more, you know, brand new white belts in there. Although anybody's welcome to train with us, obviously. Are most of the folks that train with you people that are new to the art entirely or are there people that have moved in from out of the area and are looking for a place to train? What's what's the breakdown there? Probably a little of both, um, but probably mostly people are just like, I. they always wanted to train jiu-jitsu. Um, and they kind of found us. Well, maybe we're nearby. Maybe um, I don't know. What are some of the other reasons, Amanda? Yeah, a lot of people who have come to the gym uh, do live right nearby. They say that they've driven by uh, our gym and have seen the sign and said, "Oh, I didn't know there's a jujitsu place here." So they stop in. Um, since jujitsu tends to be one of those things that you train multiple times a week. It needs to be something that's convenient and fits into your lifestyle. And so I think a lot of people have found that the location of the gym is good for their for their lifestyle, for their family life. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, yeah, because I wanted to train multiple times a week. That's why I do the 6 a.m. classes at Triangle Jiu-Jitsu here, because that was when I could train. So my instructor thinks I'm a madman, but uh, he's probably right. He's right about <laughs> most things. So I see that you have, a, so you have an open mat today and you have a fundamentals class tomorrow night. I'm curious, you, you talked about structuring the school the way you wanted it, organizing the curriculum. Do you have like a set of lessons and how many lessons are on your fundamentals curriculum? How did you come up with that fundamentals curriculum? Well, so we have a, like a, a 10-week rotating curriculum. So basically, you know, we go through the entire program in 10 weeks and then it starts over again. And uh, part of the reason I did that is so that people can keep can see the the um, technique again because we do kind of go pretty fast through the technique, um, 
And and also, so, you know, basically after a few years, it's going to be a super awesome program because I'm just going to be improving. You know, I write notes on what went well, what might work well uh, next time. And and so I just basically rewrite the whole entire program again. Um, And this is this is all stuff that I've been teaching for a really long time. Basically, since I was a white belt, I started teaching uh, jujitsu like in January of 2006. So this is all very fundamental moves that still work today that um, I've just kind of condensed and organized and put into like a 10-week program um, that, and, and the like I said, the program just kind of like rotates all the way through. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So do you teach a lot of wrestling as well, or is it wrestling that informs jiu-jitsu? I'm curious how, where you come down on takedowns. I mean, I would imagine with your wrestling background, you're pro-takedown. I am pro takedown. I I enjoy takedowns. My I unfortunately I have a hip condition and I can't uh you know do blast double legs anymore, but um I enjoy takedowns and we do teach it. We, I think we have 2 weeks of the program dedicated to takedowns um and also self-defense type scenarios um and things like that. So yeah, I I'm definitely pro takedown. Cool. Well, so, like, a lot of people get into jiu-jitsu either for self-defense reasons or some people like sport competition. A lot of people do both. I'm I'm definitely pro both. And I'm wondering, you know, because you mentioned self-defense, do you teach, like, the Gracie jiu-jitsu self-defense or do you teach, like, jiu-jitsu moves from a self-defense mindset? And how does that interface with competition for you? Well, when I first started training jiu-jitsu, it was all kind of one thing. I mean, they they, they didn't really look at it as anything really different. At like they do now, like now you look at, oh, well, that's, um, you know, competition jujitsu, there's, you know, MMA, and then, there, you know, we didn't even have a term for MMA back, they called it NHB back in the day, mm-hmm. and um, self-defense, but, but they were all kind of wound up into one, so um, that's still kind of the way I look at it, that's my approach to it. I think that um, my, my fundamentals program basically covers uh, everything, so if you do want to go into competition jujitsu, you can uh, easily after you you know you go through the program a couple of times. You can go into um, MMA if if that's what you want, or if you're fine with just the self defense techniques, you can you can expand on that. I really have no idea what the what the advanced program is going to look like. I think we're probably going to take one of those and go in one direction. I'm thinking probably more competition jujitsu, but I don't know if there's a lot of interest in say nogi stuff then maybe we'll go that route if they're you know if we have if i bring in an instructor who's really good at who's really interested in self-defense we'll go that that route so i'm really not sure which way it's going to go but basically my program uh covers all the bases Mm -hmm. from from what i can see and like i said i'm always improving on it if it doesn't so that's my goal yeah it's interesting when we talk to old school folks on the show folks that started training in the early 2000s or even the 90s there's no separation between self-defense, fighting, and competition. Those those were all the same thing. Like, well, why would I teach a technique that wouldn't work if I were in a an NHB or Valetudo or you know whatever you want to call it MMA fight? And that's still very much 
the, the tone here in North Carolina because this is one of the first place hoists, hoist came. Right. And, you know, I think that, you know, I don't know how big a fans of sport competition jiu-jitsu you are, but I think, you know, a lot of people are talking about Hodger Gracie using moves on the yeah, blue belt curriculum exactly. to beat the current best guy in the world. Exactly. Words to live by, right? Right. I mean, you can, like, one of the things that, that I really believe is you can never be too good at the basics, that you can never be too good at the fundamentals, and what, no matter what, what your goals are. And I think a lot of that stuff, like, I, I personally think that the self-defense versus sport distinction is largely artificial. And, like, if it's good stuff, it's going to work in the competition. You know, a good stack pass is a good stack pass. Sure. Like, so, do you, you know, you mentioned that you have a, a hip injury, and I'm sorry about that. Does that, does that mean that you haven't – I mean, when was the last time you competed? Is competition something that's still on the, on the table for you, or is, is that not, no longer part of your goal? Yeah, I've, I've never had, like, a huge interest in competition. Um, but, yeah, my, I, I last competed in October. I competed in a fight to win. Uh, it, it, um, in San Antonio. Yeah, in, in San Antonio. It was called Fight to Win Tournament. And um, so I, I got first place in my division. But that was the last time I'd competed in, like, I think since 2005. Um, when I was in Moldova, I helped set up um, basically nationwide tournaments there. And so I was refereeing, and I didn't compete. I think at that time, a lot of people weren't quite at my level. There was nobody really quite at my level, whereas now they're, they've surpassed me in a lot of different ways, which I'm really proud of. But... Back then, there wasn't really anybody to compete against. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I've never really been super interested in competing, mostly just teaching and, I don't know, beating up on people. and <laughs> Beating up on white belts. <laughs> yeah, just, just, yeah, just jujitsu, you know. It's, it's what it's all about, beating up on white belts to satisfy your yeah. ego. <laughs> um, <laughs> exactly. But, uh, but so, so when you, I want to talk about when you all were in Moldova because I, I'm interested in, in, in your Peace Corps experience generally but also these, these tournaments. And so, like, what made – now, you know, the Peace Corps is something I've thought about doing myself, but I don't know as much about it. So, like, was Moldova a place you always had your eye on or was it just a happenstance sort of thing that you all ended up there? No, um, at, at least back when we were in Peace Corps, essentially you you chose your region, and then uh, Peace Corps chose your country. I think you can choose your country now, but mm-hmm. back then that's how it was. So we chose Eastern Europe, and so they signed us to Moldova. Um, back then we weren't married. That's where we met. Mm-hmm. So she was assigned to a village way up in the far north of the country. I was way down south, and um, we would occasionally meet up in, in the middle um, but in any case, I, I'd really, you know, I was really into jujitsu. I really wanted to do like Sambo or mm-hmm. wrestling or whatever they had going on out there. And they put me in this tiny village with nothing. And there was like, nobody knew Sambo, nobody knew judo. Um, and I thought it was just absolutely horrible. So I decided that I was going to start my own club. So I started jujitsu school and I was really hoping to get adults, but then just kids showed up. So I had basically two years of teaching kids jujitsu, um, which was a really great experience, and I think that really you know pushed me towards um, teaching. But um, yeah, that's just kind of how it happened. Yeah, I could have probably beaten like sixty, maybe seventy percent of those kids. Uh, <laughs> the great thing about starting a kids program is they're easy to beat up at first, but like ultimately when they start to beat you and they do, it's really bad for your ego. Uh, but but so so how did you all meet? Like if you were all, way up north in Moldova, and like how did was it a, through a Peace Corps function or? Yeah, yeah, we they they do like a ten week training program, um, and so we were in the same training program, and so we had, we were in the same like training village, and so. 
that's mm-hmm. where we met and we just kind of like stayed together throughout the and what did you think about this whole jujitsu stuff at the time did you have any experience with like submission wrestling grappling martial arts or were you just like i like this guy but boy this thing he does is weird <laughs> Um, no, I hadn't had any experience whatsoever. I um, had maybe heard of No Holds Barred, but my my knowledge of it was very, very rudimentary. Um, I just assumed it was hair pulling and groin kicking. Um, well, to be so- fair, at the time, the early <laughs> UFCs, I mean, <laughs> there was some of that. But. Um, and so when uh, he... I think actually when he was introduced, everybody, uh, you know, they have us all together and there's lots of flip chart and there's lots of trust falls and things like that that you would assume. Um, and when they introduced everyone, you were they chose something from everyone's resume to say like, this is Amanda and she likes whatever it is. And so what they chose from Bobby's resume was um, when he won the – I'm going to get this wrong – Arnold's. Uh, I don't win. I got second place. <laughs> whatever it was. <laughs> or a winner of, of yeah, some sort. The Arnold Schwarzenegger Gracie uh-huh. thing in, what was it, Columbus, I think, Ohio? Yeah, that was the last tournament I did. It just pretty, pretty much anything that you can win that has Arnold Schwarzenegger's name associated yeah. <laughs> with is pretty boss, right? Right? Yeah. yeah. So they were like, this guy is the second place champion. And I was like, that's pretty cool. Okay. And <laughs> White belt. <laughs> hey, it's all the same. I right? wrestled my way to second place. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was totally my white belt experience was like I would get the takedown and just hold the guy yeah. and pray he didn't know how to shrimp. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, and then when I would visit him in his village, um, I would go to the training classes because otherwise I just sit there mm-hmm. in – his room with his host family shivering because it was so cold. Um, and so I would go with him to practices. And continue um, shivering. And continue it was so cold. shivering because they didn't have heat in the gym. And so all the kids were wearing their sweaters and their beanie hats all like underneath their geese. Um, he got a bunch of geese donated um, for his program. Uh, and so I went and I would wrestle. And yeah, I did feel pretty good um, going against those eight year olds. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then I would go against the 13-year-olds and not feel quite as good anymore. Um, yeah, the kids are so. coming for us all. Yeah, yeah. right? <laughs> so, yeah, that was my first experience with jiu-jitsu and with Bobby. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, uh, tell me a little bit about the uh, the the club that you founded. and the tr- you, you mentioned that there were tournaments, actually. So, like, you were there two years? Yeah, so we were there. Yeah, it's, so it's kind of complicated. So we were there for two years. We finished our basically our Peace Corps obligation, and we moved to Norfolk, Virginia. Virginia, that we lived there for two years, and we moved back to the area. We moved to Romania, and um, we had to go to. We went to Moldova quite often because they're right next door. Um, and so I, I went back and I kind of saw that my club was actually still going because I had no idea. Uh, everybody said, "Oh, it's you're you're going to go," and like nobody nobody cares about jujitsu. So, but I went back, and yeah, one of my kids was still running the club, and so. I was really happy to see that, and then, um, you know, eventually he started uh, um, wanting to do tournaments, so I said, yeah, let's do, let's start some tournaments together, and um, and there were other teams started getting, you know, Jujutsu started picking up interest in the capital, which, it, you know, if you don't have teams in the capital, then you don't have Jujutsu in your country, so... Um, I'm scanning my geography knowledge for the capital of Moldova, and I'm totally <laughs> blanking. Chisinau. 
Oh, right. I knew that. <laughs> Tip of your tongue. Yeah, right. No, it's exactly. <laughs> it's like anything. You have to drill your national capitals. You have to drill your self-defense. Um, but that's exciting that, you know, that it's still – so the program's still alive to this day. Yeah. The um, Yeah, so one of my former students is um, – he's ranked higher than me. He's a brown belt. Um, he's 10 years younger than me. <laughs> um, and he's, uh, he's the head – Co- head jiu-jitsu coach for an MMA fighter uh, from Moldova. So I, th- I'm super proud of him. You know, it's, it's really cool saying like he was my former student. So all the best teachers that I know want their students to surpass them, you know, and so yeah. that's super exciting. And, you know, you can't measure, like, especially because with jujitsu, there's technique and there's physical attributes. You can't always determine how skilled an instructor is by that instructor's competition results. Like a lot of people that are like world class badasses just should not teach. And that's fine. And a lot of people that are fairly mediocre become amazing teachers. And so they're just two different skill sets. Sure. Yeah. So do you all think you, you would go overseas again at some point? I'd love to, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, eventually once we get stuff kind of settled and stuff's all running by itself out in Asheville um, and we get a little more income, um, yeah, I'd love to go back and, and visit and see people and, you know, maybe even compete, you know? I don't know. <laughs> they got European Opens now. Um, do you, So the school is not a full-time venture for you. you is that is that right? It's, it's going that route, hopefully. Um, you know, I'm only physically capable of doing like five days a week um, for sure, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm really hoping to get more people in. We want a kids program. Uh, we want an advanced program. We want some other kind of supplemental stuff. Like it depends who comes along, like uh, whether it's judo or whether it's yoga, I don't really know. But we we kind of want to have that the school you know stuff going on there all the time mm-hmm. in the and, future. And that's that's also part of the <clears throat> excuse me part of the principle of open source jujitsu is that it's an open collaboration um, in that whatever it is that's going to improve um, people's game, whatever it is that's going to improve their experience, is what we want. As part of the school, and if that's you know a judo training, um, if that's bringing in someone who does yoga and maybe yoga for jujitsu, um, that's that's all something that we want. So we want to be able to incorporate other people's skill sets into it uh, because we think that everybody has something valuable to contribute. And even if uh, even if you're a white belt as a partner, as a training partner, you're valuable. Uh, so that's part of the principle of open source jujitsu is that everyone does have value and they'll contribute um, what they can. And we want to enable that. Yeah. So I don't have a strong vision for exactly what it's going to look like, but hopefully we're just doing stuff like all the time and it's all good and it's all what people want and it's helping improve people's lives and their jujitsu and everything else. So, mm-hmm. Well, is there anything that I haven't asked about that you really wish I would have asked about or anything that it's important that you think folks know about you, about your school, about what you're hoping to build? Uh, well, yeah. So another kind of component is we're, we're eventually going to have like a campground on the same property. And we want people to come out and we want lots of like guest instructors, you know. So if you can come out for like a weekend, uh, you know, you want to stay in Asheville, we can set something up like kind of a work exchange um, so that you, you know, you teach jujitsu for a little bit and you go, I don't know, do whatever you're going to do in Asheville. And um, so some sort of like, yeah, kind of work exchange with jujitsu involved. 
And really, who doesn't want to be in Asheville all the time? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, we get to be there all the time. It's pretty awesome. So Yeah, it's pretty great. I'm excited. U.S. Grappling is our favorite tournament organization for a lot of reasons. Run by grapplers for grapplers, U.S. Grappling consistently provides the best tournament experience for competitors. Whether it's a points tournament or submission only, and U.S. Grappling runs true no-time-limit submission-only events, it's the best place to compete and to watch your friends compete. Check out upcoming events and register online at usgrappling.com. So that's our show for the week. Before we get out of here, some show notes. Betsy O'Donovan and I are taking about 10 days off for the wedding, but we aren't actually missing any shows. We're industrious like that. So on September 3rd, we'll have a show with Dennis Ash, the founder of Connection Rio BJJ Hostel. If you train jiu-jitsu and you are interested in the growth of jiu-jitsu throughout the world, then you owe Dennis Ash a bit of a debt, and I think it'll, you'll be interested in hearing what he has to say. The show for the week of September 10th will be Jake Whitfield on True Self-Defense Jiu-Jitsu, which is a really fascinating conversation I had with Jake a couple of weeks ago. We'll be posting this show September 6th, just before we leave for our honeymoon. So even though that's the show for the week of September 6th, or September 10th, you'll get it on September 6th. So you get that show a little bit early. We're flying back from the honeymoon on September 16th, and we'll have a new show for you the following day, September 17th. My thanks, as always, to our Patreon supporters, Betty Broadhurst, Chris Holmes, Carl Krebs, and Cody Malte. You can join them for as little as a dollar a month. That's about a quarter a show, and get some great extras while you help to support the program. If you're interested in supporting, you can go to patreon.com slash dirtywhitebelt, which we will link to the Facebook page. Before we get on out of here, I want to say another thing about our Masters Worlds competitors. Um, congratulations to everybody that got on the mat. You heard Caitlin Huggins talk about some of her impressions, and her impressions weren't even necessarily the people that won medals. It was the performances that, that people put on. And that comes from weeks of hard work, years of hard work really, but weeks of hard work in a training camp where you put yourself out there, you do what you need to do to be on weight, you do what you need to do to put yourself in a position to succeed. And by doing that, you improve your jiu-jitsu. By doing that, you build and grow the scene so that everybody gets better. And you build that rising tide that lifts all boats. So I want to say congratulations to everybody who competed. And thanks again to everybody who took the time uh, to speak with me for the show. So the co-hosts of the show are Betsy O'Donovan and Lourdes Cantu. This is Dirty White Belt Radio. My name is Jeff Shaw. We'll see you next week. Music